0: Poetry by Hollywood Empty and sweating, head lying in your hands Shaking in the corner, done too much alcohol Gotta get away from it all, cause it feels my blood is freezing My self-insanity has taken its toll Frustration has taken its control Now I'm far from home. Spending time alone. It's time to set my demons free. Been put to the test. My mind laid to rest. I'm on a 1990 psycho holiday, here on Grown Up Rock. Now, crank it
1: up.
2: a little nostalgic here tonight we're coming to the end of our month-long series covering all things 1990 and we're ending it with a bang the big bang tonight and we're giving our top 10 favorite albums
0: from 1990 are you psyched are you ready for this dude uh yeah because i worked on it a ton i think i came up with this stupid idea can i blame you was it your stupid
2: idea The month-long thing was my idea. I think the 1990 was actually your idea. I just turned it into a complete month-long series. I mean, listen, it's kind of cool. This is our first month-long series that we've ever done on the podcast. And part of that was, of course, us celebrating our third year anniversary. So, hey, that's pretty good for three years this is a first for us, so not too bad. I think it's turned out well. We've had a lot of variety in there. We've had a few guests
0: show up, and we've had a whole bunch of laughs, so it's been pretty good thus far. It'd be very interesting to see if we can take the same five episodes and then apply them to a month next year, and maybe it's the same month, kind of like uh, you know some of our friends out there do Kissmas in July, you know that kind of thing. So that way, it brings a little bit of consistency with some different time frames in life, so
2: maybe that'll work out. I like the month-long series thing as long as there's variety, and that's what we've done. We've done variety, so it's been good. This is definitely going to be a little bit different for me. I was trying to figure out how I was going to approach tonight's episode with these top 10 albums, and I definitely know that I took a little bit different approach than you did, and we'll talk all about how we approach these top 10 favorite albums released in 1990. By each one of us. But before we get too far into this.
1: It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight.
2: So tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight comes to us from one of our listeners' favorite bands. Caitlin Provo, this one is absolutely for you. Tonight we are covering The Jailbirds. A Canadian rock band. The song Dole My Brain is the first song and story on their upcoming five-track conceptual EP. I've heard of conceptual albums, but never a conceptual EP, but our friends the Jailbirds are going to do that this time. Check out this song. It's called Dole My Brain. Let us know what you think.
0: I had seen Kalen post something about the jailbirds a while back. I'm going to say a year ago or so. I don't know these guys. So I tried something. I must not have tried the right song because I remember I tried it and I'm like, eh, man, whatever. I listened to this song the other day, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. Who are these guys? So then I look into them a little bit. They are not what you call handsome men, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I do like the kind of 70s and 80s blues rock feel to it. It is pretty cool. I got to check them out a little more. When I checked them out before, I just must have picked the wrong song.
2: Yeah, I listened to the first EP that they put out, and it had been a while since I listened to them because Caitlin turned me on to them probably about a year ago, just like you said. And so when they got signed to Golden Robot Records, I was like, okay, I'll be seeing something from these guys soon because Golden Robot Records are one of the people that I deal with. So they sent me this new single. I checked it out. I liked it. I listened up to the other single, Watery Grave, which was the first one they released. And it was a little bit more Sabbath-y than this song, but I still liked it. So both songs I've heard off this upcoming Dull My Brain EP, uh, I like, I enjoyed. So I'm looking forward to it. I really like this tune quite a bit. It hit me the first time I heard it. It didn't have to sink in or anything. And this is one of the many bands that are going the way of the EP versus the full album. It's just more cost effective for them. And, you know, nowadays people just really aren't listening to full albums uh, with the attention span and everything. So
1: Everyone's got a rock and roll story to tell, and we want to hear yours. So go to our website at growinguprock.com. That's one word, G R O W I N U P R O C K dot com. Or visit us on our Facebook page at Growing Up Rock and tell us all about it.
2: So let's get into tonight's
0: discussion. Okay, so what we did is there's, I would say, maybe a hundred or so albums that were released in 1990 that you could label guitar driven rock. There's all kinds of different rock because there was stuff crossing over, grunge is kind of getting going. You know, and there's some pop acts that you could almost say are rock acts, kind of thing, like Billy Idol. So there was plenty to choose from. That part was not an issue. We did not share our top ten, so I'll be very interested to see if we have any that repeat. I would think we have some. So basically, what I did is I get to the top fifteen, I cut it down to ten, and there was several Desert Island albums released in 1990 for me, so those pretty easy. And besides that, I just went to the songs and say, how many songs do I like on this album? And how much do I like them? Kind of give them a scoring system like my OCD self does. And uh, we were good to go. So I'm going to start with my 10, nine, 8. My number 10 was straight up deep cut nostalgia for me. There's maybe one other person, maybe BC, but there's not another person on this planet that would put this in their top 10 of 1990. But it's an album called Crunch. By Cry Wolf. It was their second album released on Grand Slam IRS Records. And basically, at this point, Cry Wolf is four band members Stephen McKnight on guitar, Phil Deckard on bass, Tim Hall on lead vocals, and Paul Cancelia on drums. And Cry Wolf is a Bay Area band. And it was great to have something that was born and bred in the Bay Area as I was growing up. You could see him in the clubs. They were doing really well. There was a few other bands, Shay Roxy, Kamikaze. There was a few that were doing well, but these guys actually got out and played a little bit. The album didn't hit the Billboard 200 at all. It released no singles. I would say the top songs on this album are Face Down the Wishing Well, Long Hard Road, Stop, Look, and Listen. And probably the worst song on there is a song called On the Run. This whole album is really a deep hidden gem. Long Hard Road is a great ballad on it. And like I said, I love that they played the clubs in San Francisco and Oakland. I got to see them a lot. Basically, these guys got no push. It's 1990. Nobody knows them. They couldn't really crawl out of the Bay Area, and they kind of died on the vine. So that was my number 10. Number nine is the debut album by Firehouse. And their first album, it got to Billboard 200 at 21, released on Epic. At this point, this is the classic lineup CJ Snare on lead vocals, Bill Leverty on guitars, Perry Richardson on bass, Michael Foster on drums. The singles they released were Shake and Tumble, that didn't chart. Don't Treat Me Bad, that got to number 19 on the Billboard 100. Love of a Lifetime, which everybody knows and it played at every wedding for the last 30 years, got to number five. And all she wrote got to 58. To me, the top songs are probably all she wrote. Ought to be a law, helpless, lover's lane. The tough songs for me, I got to be in a mood is home is where the heart is and rock on radio. But reality is it's a great debut album. And they did this album in its entirety on monsters of rock Cruise last year. And it was one of the best shows I've seen firehouse do these songs. I would say I hear at least one to two times a month, depending on which song is playing on XM sometimes. It's just one of those bands that are probably about four years too late. Like if they released this thing in 86, the next two or three albums are huge too. They ended up having a bunch of hits, but they ended up being like a ballad band. So that's just what they ended up being. My number eight, there is not a single solitary soul on the planet that would have this album in their top 10, but my number eight is a band called talisman and it was their first album and it was released on airplay vinyl mania. It didn't hit the billboard 200. Because it was a Sweden band, nobody knew. So I was thinking this whole issue of nobody knows the Sweden bands. That's not a new issue. That issue has been around a long time. Band members, Jeff Scott Soto on vocals. As soon as I found out Jeff was in this band, I'd already seen Inve with Jeff. I'd already seen eyes with Jeff. So I was hooked the minute. I found out that uh, Jeff was on vocals. A guy named Christopher Stahl on guitar, Matt Linfors on guitar. Marcel Jacob, who rest in peace is no longer with us playing bass, Uh, Matt Olazanen on keyboard and Peter Hermanson on drums. They did release some singles. They released I'll Be Waiting and Just Between Us. And if you've never heard Just Between Us, it is a ballad for the ages. Like this thing should have killed everything that was on the radio at the time because it is a beautiful ballad. Of course, none of this stuff charted. My top songs on this are Just Between Us, Day by Day, Dangerous. There's a song called Queen that's not super awesome, and there's a song called Great Sandwich that, you know, just the title alone's not awesome, and the song's not super awesome. Now, these guys have a ton of material out there, and they've been going for a long time. They haven't released anything new in a while because Marcel passed on. Jeff and Marcel knew each other from Invey Malmsteen, so they were already a great player. It's just basically a collection of great songs you never heard in the U.S. That's basically what it is, and you can find it on Spotify. I think you'll understand why they were so big in Europe and why they can, if they wanted to come and do some sort of reunion tour without Marcel, they would still probably sell out theaters in Europe. That's how kind of big they were in Europe. So that's my 10, nine, and eight. What do you think?
2: Rock on, dude. I wouldn't say no one will ever have some of those (laughs) bands in their top 10 list. You never know. We have a way of influencing each other from time to time. So we'll see where that all adds in but yeah i totally understand those first three you gave and uh, i got no issues with any of them not that i would ever have an issue with some music you actually prefer i give you a lot of shit i always like to have issue but it's not real issue it's just pretend issue (laughs) when i have issues with you they're absolutely real yeah well (laughs) you got issues (laughs) your issues got issues so that's right (laughs) let it go To get to my 10, 9, and 8, here's how I went about selecting my top 10. I did my absolute best to think about my headspace in 1990. What I was doing and when these albums came out, did I listen to these records quite a bit? Did these records, did the cassettes and the CDs hang out in my car for a long period of time because that's, you know, where I listen to a lot of music. And so that's kind of how I approached it is my recollection of these records when they came out. Now, it's real easy for me to give a top 10 that is probably mostly known by the majority of our listenership. I don't think there's anything on my top 10 list that is going to necessarily be a band nobody's heard of. I think there's a couple of surprises in here, but there were records that I listened to quite a bit. At the end of all this, I'm going to give another top 10 list. I'll do it rather quickly, but there's a absolute top 10 list of bands and albums that I discovered since I started doing this podcast or over the course of, let's say, the last... 10 years or more. There's a few bands that have resonated with me and a few albums that resonated with me that may have come out in 1990. They either didn't hit me at the time, or I didn't like the band at the time, or I'd never heard of the band at the time. And over the years, they've grown on me and I've rediscovered them when I started doing this podcast. And now I really like them. I think they're valid records. So that's kind of how I'm going to approach this episode in these top 10. So at number 10 is the self-titled record by a band called Rhino Bucket. Now, this one may be a surprise to people to appear on a top 10 with all the albums coming out in 1990. But this first Rhino Bucket record, when it came out, I listened to this thing day and night. It had so many really good songs on it. And I'll be honest with you. When ACDC released Razor's Edge this very same year, it had a lot of good stuff on it, but, you know, it wasn't back in black. It wasn't for those about to rock for me. I thought it was an okay ACDC record. I thought it was better than some of the stuff they had done in the more recent years. This first debut by Rhino Bucket, I mean, this band sounded like ACDC, but more the ACDC that I was used to. Formed in 1988, George DeLivo on vocals and rhythm guitar, Reeves Down on bass guitar and backing vocals, Greg Fields on lead guitar. The lineup, along with Ricky Kuback on drums, played the Los Angeles rock scene for a year with bands like Junkyard and the Four Horsemen. And then they finally signed to Warner Brothers Records in 89. And they put this record out. I would say for sure this debut record, I would go with songs like One Night Stand I thought was great Inside Out I really loved Ride the Rhinos, a great song Shot Down, another great song This record is really quite a solid record From start to finish Really enjoyed this record So that's in at number 10 for me At number 9 for me Here's another surprise I listened to Blackout in the Red Room By Love Hate a lot That year when it came out The band was formed in 1985 uh, By Jizzy Pearl And they put out Blackout in the Red Room in 1990. They automatically had a hit with this record when they released the song that some people thought was kind of a little bit of a, um, how can I say, a gimmick song. Why do they think they call it Dope? which premiered on the Headbangers Ball. It became sort of an instant hit. I think people thought it was a gimmicky song. But this record, I loved Blackout in the Red Room's great song. Rocket Queen's great song. Mary Jane, I really enjoyed a lot. It was just a good, solid record. This is another band that had a little bit of an ACDC feel to it, but a little bit more sludgy than ACDC, I think. Not quite as upbeat as ACDC. But that was another uh, record that I really enjoyed quite a bit
3: when the
2: Number eight, Flesh and Blood by Poison. I liked this record. I know my uh, co-host there, Hollywood, was not a big fan of this record, but this record had some really big hits on it. And as much as he hates Unskinny Bop, I kind of liked it. I also enjoyed songs like Ride the Wind.
3: Hated it.
2: So that's my 10, 9, and 8. I only
0: own one out of those three albums, and I never listened to that one album.
2: I'm going to guess Love Hate. You mean I own? Oh, the one out of the three that you own is Flesh and Blood. That's and you right. never listen to that one. That's right.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, my 765, my number seven is Warrant second record, Cherry Pie, got to number seven on the Billboard 200. You know, at this point, we're talking about this is the classic lineup, the original lineup, really. Janie, Joey, Eric, Jerry, and Steven on drums. They had four singles. Cherry Pie got to number 10 on the Billboard 100. I Saw Red got to number 10. Believe it or not, Uncle Tom's Cabin only got to 78 but did okay on the mainstream rock charts. It got to number 19 and then blind faith only got to number 88. This thing's released on Columbia and the title track is just stupid. Cheesy. I don't mind it, but I wish they were known more for uncle Tom's cabin for the Fairweather fan. I think warrant fans would say uncle Tom's cabin is the song, but You know, for just somebody walking down the street, you say, you know, Warren, you know, remember how Janie used to say, you mean, I'm the cherry pie guy, you know, that kind of thing. It just, it's unfortunate that, um, that ended up that way. I thought the stories that Janie told in his songwriting were incredible. My favorite songs on it, Love and Stereo, Blind Faith, I Saw Red, and Uncle Tom's Cabin. The two I can probably live without is Ode to Tipper Gore. I don't like that whole Tipper Gore thing, shit they do at the end. And then that song Train Train, I'm not a big fan of. But there's a bunch of these songs that just have this magic melody, and Blind Faith is an outstanding ballad that should have done better. I Saw Red is a great ballad too, don't get me wrong, but uh, Blind Faith only being at number 88, when it topped out, that's a little bit of a shame, but uh, a truly good album, and I think most folks that listen to us own this album. Number six for me is Against the Law by Striper, and that's their fifth album. Got to number 39 on the Billboard 200, released on Hollywood Records. Michael Sweet has said it's their worst album. I disagree. He says it's because it's sold the worst. Okay, I get it. They got away from the whole faith-based kind of deal. Get it. But, you know, at this point, you're talking about the four originals, Michael Sweet, Oz Fox, Tim Gaines, Robert Sweet. So that part is no issue. They sound great. They look great. The singles, Shining Star, Two-Time Woman, Lady, none of them charted. Although the album did okay. I'm surprised none of the singles charted. My favorite songs on here is probably Not That Kind of Guy, Lady, Caught in the Middle, and Against the Law. The songs I could probably live without are Rock the People and Rock the Hell Out of You. But again, because they did Shining Star, and I've told this story before, I needed these rock bands that I was getting into to expose me to Motown. And that was another way that exposed me to Motown. Now I love Motown. I get it. The production on this album reduced a lot of the crunch, so you don't really hear... The guitars being just like overtaken in the mix. But that was true and in God we trust too. Like that was Tinny too. To Hell with the Devil was probably their best mixed record at the time. But uh, yeah, this one's lacking a little crunch. Got it. But there's some great songwriting here. And How Lady in the time of ballads were owning the charts was not a huge hit is beyond me. It's possible that their faith-based fans turned their back on them. But that wasn't the only thing that was selling ballads. So I'm just surprised that that happened. My number five, I've talked about it before. It's a Desert Island album for me. It's Alias by Alias, their first album. Got to number 114 on the Billboard 200, released on Capitol EMI. Freddie Kersey on lead vocals, Steve Demarchi on guitars, Roger Fisher on guitars, Mike Rozier on drums, Steve Fossen on bass. They had a little help from Jeff Paris and Fee Wable from the Tubes on a couple of songs. But technically these guys were like a super group. So Freddie and Steve were from Sheriff and Roger and Steve and Mike were from heart. So the album is like super like AOR gold. Like if you like that whole journey type feel, this has got a lot of journey in it. And man, if it had journey type backing, this thing would have been huge. And they did end up having a number two song on billboard 100. It was more than words can say. If it wasn't for stupid Mariah Carey's love takes time, they would have hit number one. They released Haunted Heart. It didn't get to the charts. They released Waiting for Love that got to number 13. And I would say those three songs are my favorite. There is no duds on this album and uh, they really only ended up lasting two albums. And if you're thinking about getting married in the next couple of years, I would seriously consider more than words can say as your wedding ballad, because it is an awesome song. what do you think about my seven, six, and five?
2: My marriage song is uh, Enter Sandman. (laughs) Yeah, I've met the two
0: of you. That fits. (laughs) Uh,
2: Okay, so let's start with Cherry Pie. We might talk about that a little bit later on, as it may appear in my list later on. Who am I kidding? It's going to appear in my list later on. (laughs) But what I'm saying to you is that the funny thing about the song Cherry Pie is that seems to be the overall consensus about the song being cheesy. And you're absolutely right now. When you think about that song, that's kind of everybody says the same thing. But when that song came out and it wasn't like beaten to death, I liked that song when it first came out. Like I liked the video. I remember Bobby Brown and the song was fresh. So I think people had a different perspective of that song when it first came out you know, now some 30 years later, of course, we all look at it and be like, that's what we remember Warrant from. Well, yeah, you and I, and most of our listeners, we have a much deeper appreciation for Warrant music than just cherry pie. So like you said, Uncle Tom's Cabin, come on, that that in itself is great. The next album for you, Against the Law by Striper, just to kind of give you a little heads up, Shining Star by The Great, earth, wind and fire, not a Motown band. That's a CBS band, but earth, wind and fire. I loved them at the time I had the box set. So I knew exactly all about shining star when it came out. And to me, their version of shining star is fantastic. Like that was one of the things that I first heard off this record and I really liked it. But at the time, I don't think I like this album. I don't remember much about this album when it came out other than Shining Star. Alias record. So I don't know a whole lot about Alias. You just educated me more than I've ever been educated on Alias. I knew some of that stuff, but I don't remember a lot of that stuff. Here's what I'll tell you about that record. At the time that record came out, like I said, I was working at a record distributor. I remember specifically going to an album release party for this album at an old abandoned train depot that was turned into kind of an event space. And I remember having a laminate for the album cover. And that's all I can tell you. I think the band was there. They weren't playing, but I think that they were there for a meet and greet with label people and with uh, record distributors like myself and radio people and all that other stuff. So that's what I remember about that album. I couldn't name a song off of it. I don't know that I've ever heard the album straight through. I think it was a little bit too mellow for me. So I kind of passed on that album from the get-go and have never really listened to it more recently. So maybe it's something I would enjoy now. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's a cross between journey and foreigner. So depending on your mood on a day, or if you're just kind of looking for something that like when you drive to Florida, right? If you're just looking for something that just kind of passes about an hour and makes you feel good, and it's kind of cool to listen to good music with a good vocal, just go to Spotify and pull this thing up, and I think you'll enjoy the whole thing.
2: Yeah, has it got enough guitar for me in it? Yeah. In the record as a whole? Yeah,
0: there's enough yeah. guitar okay. there.
2: Awesome. I'll check it out at some point. So on to my seven six five. No big surprises here. Maybe the placement for some people's a little off, but so my headspace in nineteen ninety was still very much stuck on hair bands and hard rock. Enter onto the scene Alice and Chains with their first debut album, Facelift. I remember seeing Alice and Chains open up for a couple of bands that were hard rock. And I can't even tell you what bands those were at this point. But I remember going to a concert and Alice and Chains was the number three on the bill. And in between them and the headliner was Trickster because I remember specifically taking pictures with Allison Chains and Trickster after their sets. I don't remember who the headliner was at this point. I can't remember. But I seem to remember both those bands on the same bill. Facelift is a great record. It took me a little bit of time to get into this record. It was definitely different than anything else that was coming out. So that enters in at number seven for me. I listen to that record quite a bit. Number six for me empire by Queensrÿche. i was a huge Queensrÿche fan pretty much since their ep i really was a huge Queensrÿche fan after mind crime and i liked rage for order quite a bit as well so when they put out empire it was a little bit different sound for them degarmo was still in the band i really liked empire the song i liked several other songs on the record i wasn't a huge fan of silent lucidity got really burned out on that It was a huge record for them. They had a lot of hits. There's a lot of great stuff on it, but definitely not my favorite Queensryche record. And then at number five, Stuck Plum in the middle is Slaughter's Stick It To You. I remember seeing Slaughter quite a few times on different bills throughout the course of their two or three years there. And Stick It To You was a great, solid rock record. I really enjoyed it. So that was my number five. So there you go. Seven, six, and five.
0: All of these had a chance to make my top 10. I love all these albums. There's no doubt about it. One of them did. Two of them didn't. So I'll leave it at that.
2: So just want to take a time out here from the top 10 list for just a minute and welcome all the new members to the Loud Minority Facebook group. If you don't know our Facebook group, the Loud Minority, come on over to the Grown Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group. It's a private group. We share music and videos and concerts and various stuff, new bands. So join up on the group. We'll get you in free there's no cost obviously and it's just a discussion we like to focus on the podcast and some of the themes that we're discussing some of the bands we're discussing so it's a great place for various listeners to discuss the podcast so thanks for everybody that's joined thus far share it out to a lot of your rock and roll friends that might be interested in joining that would be great the more members the better the discussion that's kind of how that goes If you guys want to get a hold of us, you guys can always email us at growinguprock at gmail.com. It's one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K at gmail.com. And of course, we appreciate everybody sharing us up each and every week. We basically do this for the love of music and to keep the spirit alive. Sonny, you got anything you want to add to all
0: that? No, just appreciate all the feedback and all the conversation that happens on the Facebook group. I got to do a better job of it. I I don't travel as much anymore in a plane. I travel in a car much more, and you can't do Facebook in a car. So, you know, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, it's uh, really cool to see people interacting.
2: You ain't got Siri that can uh, write shit and post on Facebook for you? Yeah, unlike you, I like
0: reading (laughs) what I wrote so it doesn't sound stupid, I sound stupid even if I read what I wrote. Well, that's a different story. <laughs> What's your point?
2: I'm not trying to oppress anybody. <laughs> God dang. I'm already married. Uh, <laughs> that's funny.
0: <laughs> so check this out. What is Aaron's Amphitheater at Lakewood? What is that? It's an amphitheater here in town, across town. Why? So Alice and Chains opened for Van Halen, August 16th, 1991. Was that the F-U-C-K tour? Yes, that was one of the shows because that was definitely one I saw. Yeah, I didn't see the Trickster one, but uh, yeah, that would have been great tour. I don't think I got that tour. I think I got somebody else opening for Van Halen.
2: And they play with Trickster at that very same venue, and they were third on the bill, but I don't remember who else it was. At least that's my recollection. Who the hell knows? I'm old, and I could have been drunk, so you know, whatever. <laughs> and
0: you're old. Oh, you I already said, said I was that. Old. Well, yeah. yeah, but you're old twice. So I'm only three years older than you. whatever you keep thinking that okay let's settle this age debate Stephen, face it you are old you are so old your first car was a covered wagon you are so old the key on ben franklin's kite was to your
1: apartment you are so old your family tree starts with you you are so old you walked into an antique store and they kept you Stephen, you are old
0: spoiler alert My top four are all Desert Island albums because my fifth was a Desert Island album. So yes, five Desert Island albums for me in 1990. My number four is your number five, Stick It To You By Slaughter. My favorite songs on there, Mad About You, Desperately, Burning Bridges, Fly to the Angels. They had some hits, right? Up all night, went to 27 on the Billboard 100, Fly to the Angels got to 19, Spend My Life got to 39, Mad About You didn't make it. The album got to number 18 on the Billboard 200. What I liked about it is two major things that I was looking for and they did it because I was a Vinny fan, right? So here goes Mark to go do his own thing. I remember Tony and I were sitting in his car going, all right, what's this going to sound like? And immediately you could tell Mark was just fine, right? Mark sounds good. It doesn't matter if it's not Vinny. Cool. Then it was, okay, is Tim Kelly going to try to be Vinny Vincent 2.0? Or is he just going to be himself? And I got to hand it to Tim. He does not overdo it. He almost like don't care that Vinnie Vincent was the guy he was replacing. Basically, it ain't Vinnie Vincent Evasion. So he don't care. And he don't care that Vinnie Vincent was in Kiss. That's what hooked me right out of the gate. And the whole album is outstanding to me. This album did so well that if you remember, they ended up releasing a live EP at the end of the year because I don't think they wanted to miss out on any sales. My number three is House of Lords Sahara is their second album. It didn't do that well on the charts. It got the 121 on Billboard 200. They had three singles, Can't Find My Way Home, Remember My Name, Hard on the Line. None of it charted. You're talking James Christian, Greg Dufria, Michael Guy and Aldrich on guitar, Chuck Wright on bass, Ken Mary on drums. So this is the classic House of Lords lineup, and it's a top 20 album for me of all time. So it's a Desert Island album, and it's a top 20 for me. This has got no stinkers. My favorites are like Remember My Name, Lay Down, Stay Down, Chains of Love, It's like this, I sometimes call it the perfect grease on the joystick. Like if you played video games in our era in the eighties and nineties, there would be a time where you would play Pac-Man and it's like, you're on fire that day, like you can't lose. And I don't know if that was the exact amount of grease from the pizza to the joystick, don't exactly know what it was, but that's kind of how this album feels to me. It's like everything kind of came together to put this gooey, great songwriting, hooky melodies together with a great singer and some great guitar playing. If this thing is released four years earlier, it sells three, four million copies. There's no doubt in my mind, I listen to this album at least once a month.
2: Cannot wait to clip Grease on the Joystick soundbite from this episode and use it so many times in upcoming episodes.
0: It is going to be unbelievable. <laughs> I'm editing it out, so it doesn't matter. And my number two probably is not going to surprise a bunch of people. Steelheart, their debut album, got to number 40 on the Billboard 200. You're talking about my favorite singer of all time, Miljenko Matijevic. Chris Rizzola on guitar, Frank DiContanzo on rhythm guitar, James Ward on bass guitar, John Fowler on drums. They had four singles. Can't stop me loving you got nowhere. I'll never let you go was all over MTV and got to number 23. She's gone got to number 59 and everybody loves. Eileen was a huge video on MTV, but never charted top 10 album for me all time. There is a couple of killer ballads. It's a great mix of like rock and blues. And it's just plain magic. And, you know, Millie and James Ward aren't exactly the best of friends anymore. I don't know what their tip was. I think it's got to do with songwriting and royalties, and they take a lot of shots. Well, James probably takes more shots at Millie on Facebook and stuff than Millie says back. But whatever magic they had in 1990 absolutely worked. And Steelheart, we saw him on the last Monsters of Rock cruise, and they were awesome. And my favorite singer of all time. So it was my number two. So what do you think about my four, three, and two? No big surprises there.
2: All solid stuff. So I got no comment on any of that stuff. It's all good. So four, three, and two for me. And these... Four, three, and two records are records that I absolutely recollect listening to quite a bit when they came out. I saw at least two of these bands live. It was quite a while till I saw this third band live after this record came out. But at number four, In the Heart of the Young by Winger. I love the record. There's so much great material. I'm a big Winger fan. I don't know what to tell you. They're great musicians, I think they write great songs and so I just, I appreciate their first two records, especially, and then there's, you know, several records after that that uh, have a lot of great material on it as well, but In the Heart of the Young Winger, my number four. Coming in at number three, Warrant's Cherry Pie. I listened to that record a whole lot when it came out, and like Sonny said earlier, I mean, the song Cherry Pie, I liked it a lot better when it first came out. Now it hasn't aged all that well, or it's just flat out burnout. But songs like Uncle Tom's Cabin. And for me, this record has a few really deep tracks that I think are outstanding. I absolutely love Song and Dance Man and Mr. Rainmaker. I think both of those tunes are complete awesomeness i really enjoy those two songs train train the blackfoot cover i mean i like it i like that song i liked it when blackfoot did it so i mean it's nothing new It just sounds a little bit better because it's more of a modern recording but it's okay that ode to tipper gore thing it's, i mean it's not really a song it's just a same as an intro or something there's really no point to it at all thought it was kind of funny when it came out but that was all i thought i didn't think much past that
3: I not up on the wind, i change love through me. Spoke of a million things before I die. I should see open up your eyes. Love is poetry emotion. Right be open sky. I'll be okay.
2: Coming in at number two, Wicked Sensation by Lynch Mob. That record is almost a perfect record for me. I really enjoy that record. I was a huge Dockin fan. And so when Dockin ended, it broke my heart. George goes out and does Lynch Mob. Don goes out and does Don Dockin. Don Dockin puts out Up From the Ashes in 1990. George Lynch puts out Wicked Sensation in 1990. To me, it's not even freaking close. It's not even a contest. To me, Wicked Sensation is so much better. I didn't really like Up From the Ashes when it came out. John Norm on guitar is amazing. He's awesome. But just as a whole, Wicked Sensation is just way closer to Back for the Attack for me. It's closer to that docking sound. And I really enjoyed that record. And that first original lineup of Lynch Mob uh, was really good. So that's my number two. What do
0: you think of my four, three, and two? All had a shot to make my list. Only one did. We already talked about it. Cherry pie. What do you think about Lynch and the, did you see the new logo and no more Lynch mob?
2: Yeah. I mean, whatever. Lynch is kind of a free spirit anyway. He's off doing a million other projects. Anyhow, you know, he's getting old. I mean, he's up there in age, so Whatever he wants to do, as we've said many times, we both kind of witnessed a train wreck on Monsters of Rock Cruise, and I don't really feel
0: like I need to ever see that again. So (laughs) I'm good. Okay, so my number one, the absolute best album I own, period. I listen to it at least once a week, and it's not a Kiss album, guys. So the best album I own. It is isn't Appetite, it is isn't Back in Black, and some of these others, which those are great albums. But for me, it's porno graffiti by extreme. Every song on there is incredible. It's the perfect blend of funk, melodies, guitar, vocals. I was into rock singers. I was into Prince's funk. I was getting into Momstein and Vi's guitar and having Gary and Nuno put out this gem of a record that. Basically had everything I loved in all of music, not just rock music, including piano stuff and jazz stuff onto one album was huge for me. I'm surprised only more than words and wholehearted hit the top five and more than words went number one because decadence dance and get the funk out are amazing singles that didn't chart. So although the album did well, it went to number 10 on the billboard 200. It was really driven by an acoustic song and basically a ballad. So my favorite songs are really He Man, Woman Hater, Get the Funk Out, and Wholehearted, but I could have listed any one of the songs as my favorite. Again, AM, thank you for working with Extreme and putting out the album that I absolutely love. No women
4: allowed. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so guess what? <laughs> we we are in rare form tonight because we are in absolute consensus here and uh Pornography by Extreme is my number 1 album of
3: 1990. Stop the show.
2: I wore this thing out to the bone. Absolutely wore it out. I love the record and when it was fresh Off the presses and songs like Wholehearted and More Than Words weren't burned into my brain. I liked those songs a lot, too. So that's how great that record was. Songs like It's a Monster and Decadent Dance and Get the Funk Out, He-Man, Woman Hater. Just so many great songs from start to finish. Sounded great. Michael Wagner did an amazing job on this record. Nuno Goes Without Saying, It's just an outstanding record. I absolutely love it. And that also was my number one for 1990. And that
0: surprises me. I was wondering when I was writing down your top 10, I'm like, where the hell is Porno Graffiti? Are you kidding me? You're going to have it outside your top 10? I had no idea you would put it number one. I listened to that
2: record more than any other record that year in 1990. I remember that vividly. A couple of things were going on in 1990. One was I was working with this really cool band here in Atlanta that was sort of a funk rock band. And they were much funkier and much more soul-inspired than an extreme, but they had, like, everybody in the band sang. So they had these amazing four-part harmonies, and they were into bands like... Fishbone and the Chili Peppers, but then they were also into bands like Van Halen and Judas Priest and stuff like that. So it was a really good mixture at the time. And Extreme, on the first go around, came through town and played this club promoting porno graffiti. And this band that I was working with opened up for them that night. And I just, I remember them playing this small club and it sounded so good. And They opened up with It's a Monster, and it was killer. I mean, it was really, really a good show. It was awesome.
0: I'll share some of the ones that just missed mine, but you were mentioning another top 10. So first of all, let me
2: share some albums that just missed my top 10 of 1990. These were albums that I listened to a lot, but they fell out of the top 10. And that was Nelson after the rain. I thought that was an outstanding record. Definitely a little bit popular. Yes. I know they're two pretty boys. Yes. I know all of that stuff, but that record was a great solid pop record. Damn Yankees self-titled debut record. That's another record. I was a big Styx fan. I was a big Night Ranger fan. So it had Jack, it had Tommy, and then throw Ted into the mix. I like a lot of old Nugent, so that was good as well. I had a local band in town that were friends of mine called Blondes. They used to be called Dirty Blondes. They put out one album on CBS. They got signed. They were a hard rock band. I encourage people to go check out that record because it's a good, solid rock record. Blond, spelled B-L-O-N-Z. I still stay in touch with some of those guys. Nathan, the singer, was doing some gigs with Lynch Mob for a while. Now he's in Tommy Skio's new band. Uh, Rat, Detonator. I thought this was a return to form for Rat. I thought there was some really good material on this record. A lot of help from Desmond Child with this record, but I thought there was a lot of solid material on this record, and I really enjoyed Detonator. As I told you earlier, ACDC Razor's Edge, I thought it was a lot better than some of the material they had put out more recently, but I enjoyed the ACDC sound more coming from Rhino Bucket at that period of time. Not that this record wasn't good, there was some good material on it, but... It was okay at the end of the day. I actually listened to Five Man Acoustical Jam by Tesla a lot. It was just an acoustic record. Obviously, that record did really well. But for whatever reason, I liked that record and listened to it quite a bit. And then the self-titled Trickster Album. That was another record that I listened to quite a bit of material on. You heard Sonny mention it earlier, Sahara, House of Lords. That just missed my list. Could have been in my top 10 very easily. I listened to that record a lot. For sure, my favorite House of Lords record bar none. And then last but not least, Faith, Hope, Love by King's X. I've made it a point to say they got a lot of material I like. They have some material that I'm not that fond of. So I take the good with the bad. Faith, Hope, Love had a lot of good material on that record and was probably their first sort of hit record uh, with the song It's Love. That's the stuff that just missed my list.
0: For me, mines are pretty easy. There were like six that just missed. One was YNT 10. I had it in, out, in, out. It's a great record. It just missed. Damn Yankees, which you already talked about. Rag Empire, which was on yours. Shake Your Money Maker by the Black Crows. Love that album. Uh, Wicked Sensation and in, in the Heart of the Young. You had them on your list. So like I said, it was easy to get to like probably 20. It was pretty easy to get to 15, 16. Then it was very, very difficult.
2: So for my top 10 list that I discovered since the podcast was started, like I said, this was a separate list and I'll just run through this fairly quickly. There are a couple of albums when Sonny started acquiring the list of all the albums that would be in our top 10 that came out in 1994. There were a couple albums that I actually forgot about that didn't make the list because you can never really find the perfect list when you're trying to find everything that came out in 1990. It's kind of hard. You end up missing stuff. Uh, You get all the main stuff, but you miss some uh, hidden gems in there. And so there are a couple of hidden gems that weren't even on our original list. At number 10 was the band Sweet F.A. with their debut record, Stick to Your Guns. This was a good, solid rock record. Had this record come out maybe two years earlier, probably would have been pretty successful. It was a pretty good record. Number nine, and this is a real hidden gem, is by the band Trouble Tribe. They had a song called Tattoo Out. I absolutely love Tattoo. If you've ever heard that song, you'd be a fan of that song too because it's kind of right up your alley as well. Really good record all the way through. At number eight, I didn't like this band when they came out. And even though they're hometown boys, Shake Your Money Maker by the Black Crows. Black Crows, definitely a band that had to grow on me over the years. And so Shake Your Money Maker is definitely a band and an album that I got into way after 1990 when it first came out. Number seven is a band that I recently discovered, probably in the last three years since this podcast has started, and that's Heaven's Edge. Heaven's Edge debut record. We saw them on the Monsters of Rock cruise. I thought they were outstanding. They got a lot of choreographed stuff going on, which some people may think is cheesy, but I think it was kind of a complete show. The record's really good. I like Heaven's Edge. That debut record's pretty good. At number six is a record that Sonny said would be on absolutely nobody else's list but maybe BC's, and that's a record that Sonny turned me on to because I had never heard of this band, and that's Cry Wolf with the record Crunch. That is a really good, solid record from start to finish. Like Sonny said, go seek that record out uh, because it was a record that I hadn't even heard of up until maybe a year and a half, two years ago when Sonny bought it up in the podcast. It ended up in my number six slot. Number five, I wasn't a big fan because of all the ballads of that debut Firehouse record. I think that the musicians are great. I think that the singing is great. I think the harmonies are great. I think the songwriting's great. But they fell into that ballady category for me, which I did not like. But then songs like Shake and Tumble, amazing. So there's a lot of great material on it, but I didn't like that Firehouse record when it first came out. Against the Law by Striper comes in at number four for me. I didn't get this record at all when it first came out. Like I said, I liked Shining Star, but that was about it. But when Sonny and I started doing the podcast and we did a couple of Striper things, uh, most notably at one of the Rockin' Pods, I really went back and listened to a lot of the material. And I was like, Really surprised how good Against the Law was. Against the Law was like up there as far as my overall Striper records. It wasn't my favorite Striper record, but I enjoyed it a lot. So Against the Law comes in at number four for me. Coming in at number three for me for recently discovered records, and I'm actually surprised this didn't end up on one of Sonny's lists somewhere, was Hurricane Slave to the Thrill. That is an outstanding record, as we pointed out in one of the earlier episodes this month. That record is just really a solid rock record with Doug Aldridge on guitar. I like that record a lot. That came in at number three. Number two for me, Steelheart. Again, this was a band. When they first put this record out, I ignored them because I didn't like uh, Never Let You Go or whatever the big hit ballad was that they had. I couldn't stand it. Later on, I go back and I rediscover Steelheart and it started with the second album that they put out because the second album they put out had some really heavy stuff on it. I went back and discovered this first Steelheart, really enjoyed it. So the debut by Steelheart ended up at number two for me. And in the top slot, number one slot, was a band that I was a big fan of. I had several of their records, but lost track of them somewhere around the late 80s. And I completely missed this album, which was... Y and T 10 since I started doing this podcast and we started doing research I got a chance to dig into a lot of their catalog that maybe I wasn't familiar with 10 being one of them and I like 10 I think it's a good solid rock record of course Y and T they make good solid records so you don't really have a whole bunch of clunkers in their catalog but 10 was a record that I really enjoyed quite a bit so these are all albums that I discovered for one reason or another through the podcast that I've grown to love quite a bit. Other notable records, Backstreet Symphony by Thunder, Jump the Gun by Pretty Maids. I'm a Fast Away fan. I had no idea they put out an album called Bad Bad Girls in 1990. Knew nothing about it. It was only Fast Eddie Clark on guitar. Everybody else was somebody else. It wasn't any of the original guys, but Fast Eddie Clark. But Bad Bad Girls, somebody turned me on to that record earlier this week. I went and listened to it. Not a bad record. Actually, a pretty good record. Saxon, Sonny's favorite band, Solid Ball of Rock. A band called Child's Play from Maryland that was kind of around the same area as Kicks. They don't sound like Kicks, but they put out a record called Rat Race. And then you got bands like Cowboys from Hell by Pantera. And then Sonny recently turned me on to Baton Rouge, Shake Your Soul. Now I know why I never really got into Baton Rouge. The first half of the album is really good for me. And then it kind of tails off towards the second half. But that first half of that record is really good. There's some good stuff on that record as a whole. So I wanted to make sure that I shared all that because it wasn't as simple as just my top 10 for 1990.
0: Yeah, I've tried some of the stuff that I didn't like in 1990 again, you know, even with the podcast, there's some songs I like better than I did maybe in 1990, but there's none of those albums resonate with me even close to the albums that I mentioned before. You know, like I tried that love hate again and I'm just like, I know I don't like this. Why do I keep listening? It's like eating coleslaw when you don't like it. You don't like it. Don't eat it. You know, and it is what it is, I guess.
2: Well, you never know until you try it, and there's just so much material now that I guess you don't have to settle. Like I said, the top 10 that I just shared with you was all stuff that had I not gone back and listened to again, I would just assume I don't like, except for stuff like Cry Wolf, where I didn't have any idea. But I didn't like the Steelheart record when it came out. I didn't like Against the Law when it came out. I didn't like Shake Your Money Maker when it came out. Firehouse. That's all stuff that I like today because I went back and listened to it and rediscovered it
0: 30 years after the fact. Those four albums would have brought women. So <laughs> there must not have been very many women hanging out where you were hanging out because all four of those albums are loved by women.
2: Yeah, but I mean, look at the stuff that I threw out there. Come on. <laughs> I mean, Cherry Pie, Dude, Love Hater, Slaughter. <laughs> Rhino Bucket? That's one record. Rhino Bucket's bringing bikers. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you got to have a mixture of shit. Come on, man. You're not going to give me shit about that. You don't have to have 10 records to bring in women, dude. Oh, yeah, you do. It only takes one, Oh, Wrong. no. I don't, oh, no. I don't know where you're hanging out, but it only takes one. You <laughs>
1: It's time for your kiss moment on Growing Up Rock.
0: So there were no KISS albums released in 1990, but Forever was released as a single in 1990 off Hot in the Shade. Well, there's a album out there that was released in 2014 called A World with Heroes, a KISS tribute. There's a version of Forever on there done by Terry Lou, who's obviously singing XYZ, Great White, Sean Kelly, who's from Crash Kelly, Helix, he was Nelly Furtado's guitarist for a while. And Jeff Paris, who we talked about before, alias, works with INT, has worked with Lita Ford, Vixen, etc. By the way, he's the one who wrote Crying. He's actually released Crying on an album. He's got six solo albums out there. And I think it was an album in 1987, he released Crying. And it's almost the exact same version, except for obviously Vixen, you know, did it better. Because honestly, Jeff is more of a songwriter than he probably is a singer. But anyway, here is that version of Forever.
3: I gotta tell you what I'm feeling inside I could lie to myself, but it's true There's no denying when I look in your eyes I made When you're strong you can stand On your own Those words grow distant As I look at your face Though no, I don't want to Go it alone I never thought I'd lay my heart on the line But everything about you
2: Jeff Paris is a big songwriter, more so than, you know, in a band type situation. He's done a lot of stuff and worked with a lot of various people over the years. He's somebody that I recently discovered
0: uh, through various things. So. And again, on Jeff Paris, those six solo albums, it's like a heavier Richard Marks with the vocals more rock than it is soul. And the keyboards are turned up a little. So it's a very 80s type production. He released some stuff later on. Because he helped write, uh, remember that song, Lucky This Time by Mr. Big? Yep. So he re-released that in 1993 after Mr. Big had already released it on his own album. So it's kind of cool stuff if you're into Jeff Paris, but uh, you know, it probably didn't sell a ton of albums, to be honest. Awesome. The end of a month, dude. Yeah, a whole month of 1990. I guess we can uh, put a pin in this one and uh, we don't have to visit 1990 for a while.
2: Yeah, I don't see us playing anything from the year 1990 for quite some time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Watch, it'll happen anyway, because there are still albums we didn't talk about. Yeah, there is.
2: You never know, but we played a lot of stuff. In fact, I think we duplicated a couple of uh, songs throughout the course of the month, but that's all right. Let me ask you this. Neither one of us bought up Crazy World by Scorpions. I went back and listened to that record today. Yeah, it's no Love at First Sting or Blackout or nothing like that, but it's not as bad as I remember it being. What's your thought on that record?
0: I couldn't get past Tease Me, Please Me two years before. <laughs> so I pretty much, as Savage Amusement, I'm like, dude, what is this? Yeah. Right? We went from Raku like a hurricane to this. You know, I came in at Love at First Sting. So when I was going backwards, when I got too far back, I was like, Ugh, okay, come back to real life. Like anything before Love Drive, I was like, eh, I don't know. And even Love Drive, I'm like, eh. Yeah. But then when you get past Savage Amusement, it kind of does the same thing. So I'm like, Scorpions has got kind of like that bang zone for me, and I don't really venture out of that bang zone.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's sort of the same way for me. I mean, for me, it's Love Drive, uh, Animal Magnetism, Blackout, Love It First Thing. For the most part, that's pretty much it for me. The double live record's really good as well. But I went back and listened to Crazy World and I liked Tease Me, Please Me. I didn't have a problem with that. And there's, uh, you know, I went through the songs real quick and there were a few others on there that I was like, "Ah, eh, it's not that bad. Maybe I hated a little bit more than uh, I should have. That might be a record that I have to go back and just listen to again. But yeah, I was just curious because I knew you're a Scorpions fan. so And that record didn't even come up on any of our list anywhere. <laughs> I listened to it the other
0: day again, and I'm like, yeah, this is not great. But that's like that for me for ACDC. Yeah. Like I'm pretty much after Razor's Edge. There's not a lot of AC/DC that's hitting me because really they are good at what they do and they do it well and they do it over and over and over. So anything that's going to happen in the last 30 years, I've basically already heard in the 15 years that I listened to. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's 75 to 90. What I listen to there is pretty much what they do. So it doesn't matter yeah fair enough cool what else we got to do before we get out of here nothing just want to thank everybody for the feedback
2: and we appreciate it so keep it coming absolutely we appreciate each and every one of you guys we hope you enjoy what we do because we do it for free so (laughs) so that's basically it we put a lot of time and effort into putting these episodes out for you guys we enjoy what we're doing and we hope you enjoy it as well thank you once again to everybody on to September and a whole new slew of episodes for you guys, but they won't be themed episodes tying into one theme this time. We're going back to doing some solo different type of episodes. 1990 was a long year, it was a month long year <laughs> for us. That was enough. <laughs> yep, back to normal. We will see you later. See ya.
1: Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. <laughs>